This podcast brought to you by Hope 103.2. Is the 11am presser getting you down? Are you keen to just stay informed without the sense of impending doom? Well, our next guest will help you out with that. Sharnel Vella is a reporter for 7 News in Melbourne, but has been noticed lately for her daily spin-free COVID updates on Twitter. And she joins us this morning on Hope Breakfast. Good morning, Sharnel. Good morning. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, it's a treat having you on. Now, everyone uh, listening to this show may not be on Twitter and understand that they might not be across your daily updates. Can you explain sure. what you do and how they started and, and, and I guess what they've now become? So, um, what they've become is a full-time job. <laughs> um, but they started basically, I was doing all the press conferences in Melbourne. So, those daily Dan press conferences, I was at all of them covering the story every single day and I realised that there was a lot of information that wasn't actually making it out into the public and that information I thought would really help people understand what was happening in our outbreak. So, on the news you do see, you know, how many cases today and snippets of what's happened throughout the day. But when you broke down the information, you actually saw, hey, yeah, there are a lot of positive cases in this apartment block, but half of them have come back negative as well. And that kind of balanced out the picture. So I thought, I'm going to throw all of this information online at the end of the day and just put it out there and see what people think of it. No opinions, no emotions, just facts. And so I started doing this, and it was just Victorian to begin with. And then obviously we know the outbreak happened and it's still going on in New South Wales, and then there were outbreaks in Queensland and other places, and so it's turned into this national wrap. And what I try to do is give you the facts, add in a bit of humour. At the end, I put a fact that has nothing to do with COVID, so that we're all learning something about our amazing country while we're reading about COVID, and you decide how you feel about it, and that's how Who Wants Facts started, and it has just exploded. It has, and it's such a breath of fresh air on Twitter, which is a fairly negative space. Do you know what? I actually had to stop looking at that app last year and the hate and just how awful it was. I know people were angry, but basically whenever there was a lockdown, I would go off Twitter because it was you could write anything. You know, you didn't have to write anything bad on there, but just the hate that would come back because people were so angry and they were so angry at the media, and I understand that. It was just awful and I couldn't look at it anymore. It was really upsetting. And so um, I had someone write me a message. I've had a lot of lovely messages since I started doing this, but I had someone write me a message yesterday and they said, you know, I want to thank you for your threads and thank you for creating a community. And that really, I felt my heart flutter a little bit because I thought, gosh, Twitter is such a bin fire. And for people to think that they now have this little safe thread where they can write things underneath it and feel positive at the end of the day. I, I don't know. That's like one of my greatest achievements of all time, I think. I think so. I actually want to share one of your updates. This is the way your thread started on Saturday. It said, in Greater Sydney, the bubble is now five kilometres for exercise and there are big fines for non-compliance. You also have to register your single bubble buddy. New South Wales, we know this is scary. Check in on your mates, order some Uber Eats ice cream, cry in the shower, pat dogs. I love your honesty there. I mean, you've lived through it and it's just like you're calling it out for what it is rather than trying to say it's something else, right? It's awful. It's absolutely awful. And in Victoria, gosh, we went through it and it felt like there was no end in sight. I was um, planning a wedding during that and we were really lucky to get married in March. But there were times where, you know, my husband and I stood in our house and just said, we're just never going to get married. Like this is just, it's never going to happen. There's, we've been there and it's 
you feel so helpless and you're at the mercy of other people. Everyone else has to do the right thing for you to get your freedom. And it is just so awful. And there's one thing that I've said to people over and over and over again through this is just do one nice thing every day that you feel bad. Do one nice thing for yourself. And if that's having an extra long shower or having an extra cookie or having a bit of ice cream or patting dogs because they are my favorite thing, then (laughs) you need to do that. We can't do a lot of great extravagant things for ourselves but if you do one nice thing for yourself it kind of makes it feel a little bit better even if it's just for 10 minutes i think you know for us um we can turn off the the news at a point or not watch the press conference at 11 o'clock how have you mentally coped with now the fact that you're processing all this information into a daily thread on twitter which as you said has kind of become a full-time job how do you mentally cope with all that that never-ending information and, and talking about it each day Yeah, it was probably the toughest 18 months of my career, getting on TV every single day and telling people what they couldn't do, telling people how they had to stay home and they were going to have to homeschool. It was just, I don't think as journalists, we were probably prepared for that, just how full on it was going to be and how exhausting it was going to be. Um, But do you know what? It got to a point this year where I decided I can't do anything about this. I but I know it's going to get better and it will get better. It will get better for our entire country. It will be, We're not going to stay this way forever. And so I think, you know, I just had to go through all the information. And as you said, I know probably way too much. I, my brain is an encyclopedia of COVID. But it's for me, it's looking at those facts and putting it in perspective and not just looking at two minutes snippets from different news or reading a bad headline in the paper it's looking at the whole picture and I'm hoping that's what I'm doing with the threads is giving you a fuller picture of what's going on, adding in some humor in your day and then put your phone away and forget about it until tomorrow. One thing that's really lovely about your threads is you always end with a fun fact each day. And I've learned a lot of things Mm. um, through that, things about lamingtons uh, and also over the weekend, (laughs) some facts about the splayed. What can you tell us about the splayed? Oh my gosh, the splayed went off. It's very interesting <laughs> watching what goes off and what attracts people's attention in those little facts. So it's a fact every single day, nothing COVID related. They're always about Australia. They started off being about Victoria, but they're always about Australia and things that we've invented, great things we've done. So I just want to remind people that we are great as Australians. And so one of the things I realised that was an Australian invention was the slade or the spork, which some people call it, which is like the fork-looking thing that has the knife blade on the side but is also wide enough to be a spoon. And so I realised this was invented in Australia. It was also a favourite as a wedding gift. And so I popped it up online. And can I tell you, people were DMing me. They were rummaging through their cupboards, finding their forks and blades <laughs> and sending me photos of them. And my DMs were just full of people showing me their wedding gifts, their blades, their forks. It was actually really funny and it was incredible so yeah everyone loves the slate invented so that women didn't have to balance plates on their laps at barbecues and could eat with one utensil who would have thought who would have thought oh so good (laughs) this is hope breakfast with sam we are joined this morning by seven news reporter charnel vella who is phoning in from hotel quarantine how are you coping with the isolation charnel I, do you know what? I'm going okay. My husband is the total opposite of me. He loves to be out. He's social. He's all the things. And I'm very happy staying at home and reading a book. So I'm coping okay. 
it's quite the experience though, I guess, when the army escort you to your room and they shove you inside and that's it. But it's the sacrifice that I have to make. And I'm so aware that going to the games, you know, how incredibly lucky to be able to get on the plane and go overseas. So I'm happy to be here doing my part to keep everyone safe. But just also on that, so glad that the games were really well received back home. I think that for a really long time, we haven't felt Australian and we've felt like states. We've felt like we were Victorian or, you know, we were from Sydney. We haven't felt like we were Australian. And I think that's what the games reminded us, that we are Australian and it gave us a moment to feel patriotic. And, you know, hearing people back home say, oh, all we were doing was watching the Olympics, I think it was really, really lovely moment for all of us. I can imagine that going to Tokyo as a journalist is kind of like one of those dream assignments, right? But maybe not under these circumstances. Can can you share what that was like for you? So basically we were offered the Olympics pre-pandemic and I was like, wow, this is amazing. And then didn't hear anything because COVID kicked in and I thought, done and dusted, there is no way the Olympics are happening. And then they said, oh no, we're still sending you all and we're lying to you if I thought, you know, I wasn't scared. I definitely was. I had my reservation. I thought, am I going to get on that plane and never come back? What do I do here? There were discussions with family. Um, In the end, decided to go. And I have to honestly say, it felt really, really safe. The testing regimes they had in place were just incredible. We were testing every four four days, dropping off tests at venues. We were in a soft bubble and it all went really well. So it shows that you can do these massive events and do them safely, which I think is something that we could learn back home instead of cancelling events like the F1 as we have. Uh, in Victoria. So I think it was a really good display of what can be done. And, you know, the Japanese people are just so lovely and so respectful and um, of all the rules as well. And it just went incredibly well. It was such a smoothly planned event. I know that the Japanese people were a bit reluctant to have the games come to them in the mm. weeks leading up to them. Well, did you get that sense from people on the ground as you were there? Yeah. So when we were heading there, I you know, I had seen all the pictures of protests and People were definitely protesting. There's no doubt about that. But what I noticed when I went to the main stadium, Olympic Stadium in Tokyo, was that there was a set of um, Olympic rings out the front. So the whole stadium fenced off, but there was one public area where there was a set of Olympic rings. People were lining up for two hours in 37-degree heat, 70% humidity. You sweat doing standing up, doing nothing, lining up for two hours with their kids to take photos in front of those rings. Wow. And it just me and I said, you know, we need to do a story about this. This is the other side of what people think of the Olympics here. And we did a story. We went down with an interpreter and spoke to locals. And for so many of them, they were really happy to have the games there. They wanted to remember it. They wanted their kids to remember it. And that's why they were there taking photos. It was the same at the Olympic Flame as well. There were lines for hours for people lining up to take photos. Even they were just trying to, you know, they were sticking their cameras through fences to take photos of stadiums because they were so proud that the whole world was looking to them at that moment. So going back to your other question, you know, when you said it's a dream gig, absolutely. And now reflecting on it, I think traveling in the pandemic and seeing how people work together in the pandemic to make that Olympics happen was just, it's just once in a lifetime. And I'm really, really lucky to have experienced that. Yeah, I imagine that, um, you know, we're here in Australia. I haven't travelled in two years overseas and not many people have. Is it strange going from what you see here around you in Victoria and Australia to a different country and how they're handling the pandemic? Yeah, it's 
you know, I found it strange going to Queensland and seeing how they were um, up there compared to how we are in Victoria. It's yeah. obviously relaxed. In Victoria, everyone's really on edge and we're a little bit, you know, we're panicked all the time and we shut down for 10 cases. And then you go to Japan and they've got 20,000 cases a day. They've got 150,000 active cases and, you know, they've had 15,000 deaths. And they're at a 32% vaccination rate, which is just slightly higher than where we are now. And restaurants are open and they stay open until 8 o'clock at night and they have to shut and people are going about their business and nothing's really locked down. And it is seeing a totally different way that people are reacting to it. And my conversations as well with other broadcasters I found quite interesting People were shocked that I'm double vaccinated and would have to come back and spend two weeks in hotel quarantine. They just couldn't understand that. But the number one thing I got was, what happened to Australia? That's the question I was asked over and over again. People were like, weren't you guys doing well? You guys had it sorted. What do you mean? What's happened? What do you mean your your hometown is in lockdown? People just can't understand how we did so well last year and then how we're still in the same position, how we're not vaccinated, their minds are blown by it. And, you know, the only answer I can say is, well, yeah, we didn't really get enough vaccine. And people are shocked by that. They can't understand how Australia has been left so far behind. Do you then tell them about your Twitter handle and say, follow my daily updates? <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I I know I work in television, but I find it difficult to self-promote on the spot like that. So, no, I don't. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, look, if you haven't yet got around Charnel's daily updates, you, you need to. She's on Twitter at Charnel Vella, and we're so thankful for your, t- for your time and also your, your sense of positivity that you brought to um, breakfast this morning. Thank you, Charnel. Oh, thank you so much for having me, and thank you to everyone who sent me really lovely messages. I really appreciate it. Thanks for listening. Start your day with life words. Subscribe to Hope 1032's free daily email devotional at hope1032.com.au.